after the hour. Good afternoon. This is the Around the House program. We're glad you're with us here. Hope you had a good Valentine's Day and did all the right things so you didn't get in trouble. Make sure you you know got all that done, the cards and the flowers and all that. Anyway, good to have you with us here. We'll be here a couple hours talking about that special place that you and I call home, and we'll, we'll uh, be glad to have you check in with us via the telephone at 719-473-1240, 1240 I'm Ken Moon. We are in our 30th year now talking about that special place that you and I call home on a Saturday, and we're Again, glad you're uh, glad you're with us. Talk a little bit about snow and the storm we had, and I, w- I wanted to talk about what snow can do in hidden places in your house. So we'll do that here in a few minutes. But I want to start off uh, one of my and I oh I didn't uh, who sent this to me oh Bob, my listener named Bob that contributes a lot of things to the program sent this to me. Now, like Johnny Carson said, you got to buy the premise before you buy the bit. So here. The premise is, these are the top 10 indicators that your employer has changed to a cheaper health care plan, okay? That's top 10 indicators your employer has changed to a cheaper <clears throat> health care plan. Your annual breast exam is done at Hooters. Number nine, directions to your doctor's office include take a left when you enter the trailer park. This one I like. Number eight, the tongue depressors taste faintly like fudge sickles <laughs> i like that the only proctologist in the plan is gus the plumber uh let's see and <laughs> this is okay the only item listed under preventative care coverage is an apple a day how about that your primary care physician is wearing the pants you gave to goodwill last month it's not a good sign the patient is responsible for 200 percent of out-of-network charges not a typographical error the only expense covered 100% is embalming. That's I like that. Finally, your Prozac comes in different colors with little M's on them. Okay, your Prozac pills. Anyway, I thought you'd like that. I like that. What, what's my favorite? Yeah, tongue depressors taste like fudge sickles. Anyway, good to have you with us here. We wanted. I want to talk a little bit about snow. And we had a storm this week, which wasn't as bad as a lot of people Thought it was going to be, and a lot of the weathermen hoped it was going to be. One of the local weathermen here, I'll go nameless at Channel 13, was just hoping for that big Albuquerque low event. They're, they're like roofers that pray for hail in the summertime, right? Same same idea. And we got, you know, kind of a medium dusting, right? Five, six inches here and there. I don't know, but Monument, did they get a bunch more? Probably. Probably, a, I would think, a foot or so in Monument, something like that. But... I wanted to talk about snow intrusion because uh, it's it's been, what, five days now since the, um, about four days since the storm. But snow can sneak into your house through unanticipated places, especially if it's wind-driven, which there was some of that with this storm. So you need to be kind of alert in the attic and the crawl space because those are not spaces you go into all the time. For the signs that there may be some issues, and I've seen this over and over again. When I was a a builder, oh, I was a builder. We hated this kind of thing. You look up in the dining room ceiling, and there's a stain up there. And if it just appeared in the winter time, you knew it was blown in snow. And so, a lot, sometimes roof vents in the attic, uh, roof vents and gable vents in the attic, can let snow blow in. So keep an eye out for staining and 
in the rooms under the uh, under the attic. That's a sure sign that snow has blown in. Now we've designed attic vents with what are called snow screens under them. This is a little mesh, kind of a plastic mesh that goes on the attic side of of the attic vents to keep snow from blowing in theoretically the problem is it blocks up airflow in the summer especially when heat wants to escape the attic so there's a trade-off there but there's less of this than there used to be we used to put gable vents in uh, uh at the at the ends of the attic and they were notorious for letting snow blow in so keep an eye out for any staining uh, that you don't need to get up in the attic particularly but if you see a, a random kind of a brownish stain on on your drywall usually it's self-limiting that is there'll be a little pile of snow in the attic it'll melt and seep into the insulation then the drywall and it just kind of evaporates and goes away and usually those aren't a problem in terms of repair uh, you just need to put a little kills or some other primer on the drywall on the house side of those stains and the insulation if it's only a one-time deal usually you can leave that alone also. But that's something that you need to be aware of. The snow can blow in attics. And if you're on a high elevation, top of a hill, places like Monument where it gets a little windy, those kind of places, you're more vulnerable to this. And it seems that there's a repeat performances. If you're in an area of your house, a little higher elevation, uh, sometimes this will happen winter after winter. But usually it's just a random deal down here in the regular old city limits and down here at the regular lower elevations they just happen once in a while and it never happens again so that's something to look out for crawl spaces also if you haven't done this yet we've got some winter left on uh, you know another couple of months of winter month and a half or so so make sure that you you close down some of your crawl space vents in um uh, in the fall, you want to keep one, oh, one or two maybe open on the south exposure of your house, but any north exposed crawl space vents should be blocked off in the winter. Now, there's a lot of ways to do that. You can stuff a chunk of insulation in on the crawl space side. Many builders are, have put in uh, little levers, uh, crawl space vents that are that are openable and closable with, with a little lever from the outside. Sometimes they're automatic based on temperature. They'll close when it gets too cold in the crawl space but if you haven't closed down your north facing crawl space vents it's just a good time to do that to keep that you don't want that cross ventilation in a crawl space in the winter not only will it suck snow into the crawl space but uh it will also just suck heat out of your house that's a big deal so uh you want to close those down on the north exposure if you have a furnace or water heater in your crawl space you want some combustion air, so don't close them all, but you get the idea. You don't want cross breezes in your crawl space in the in the winter in winter time. So that's just some tips that you uh, might want to know about because snow can intrude, and usually you're aware of it after after the fact. So there you go. 719-473-1240 is our telephone number, and is uh, again, we'd love to hear from you today, and also... We have live email at the uh, aroundthehouse.com website. Just just second button from the left, if you just poke on that, uh, you can. Um, uh, I'll see your email right here in the studio. So if you have some feedback on that or some questions, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you today. 
Uh, and so uh, we're going to take a quick break now. Be back with some more email. We got some great email that came in this week. Some really interesting questions. So we'll do that right after this, right here on Around the House. I want to talk to you about Click Heating and Air. Jim from Click was uh, in the studio with us last week. We're talking about HVAC stuff, and he wanted me to remind you that life's too short not to have air conditioning, and there's a limited supply now of the older 13-seer air conditioners, which are just fine in our climate. Once these are gone and the new federal regulations kick in, you're going to be paying 1000 bucks or more for central air. So get in the queue right now to get this done. Call Click Heating and Air at 719 782 Five four two five, and listen. If you haven't had your furnace checked this season, you've got a special deal available at Click. If you mention this program, they'll get you a service clean and service for only seventy nine bucks on your furnace. What a great deal! It's a twenty dollar discount. Click is your local family owned Ream dealer, and you need to call them right now to get Central Air. You want Central Air? You don't want another sweltering summer. You can save over a thousand dollars, but only for a limited time. So call Click Heating and Air, 719-782-5425, or go to clickheatingandair.com. From your faucet to your furnace and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. All righty, good to have you with us uh, on the program. It's 19 minutes after the hour, and we got a call here. Line one is Burton. You're on the air. Hi. How's it going today? Hey, Ken. Hey, I've had better days. <laughs> okay. What's going on? So um, I bought one of those uh, do-it-yourself uh, shower tub kits, put it in last year. Uh, a few months later, the the uh, seal on the drain started leaking, so I replaced it, yada, yada. Now, fast forward, it's leaking again, and I'm finding out now that there's a flex, you know, the, these acrylic um, tubs, they flex, right? And, and they break the seal. And, well, I can't be doing this like every six months. It's ruining the uh, ceiling on the bathroom below, yeah. and I'm wondering if there's any way I can alleviate this. Did you, did you put the tub in, or was the tub already there? No, I put the tub in. I replaced the tub. Okay. The, did you the, did you bed it in anything, Burton? What do you mean? I mean, did you did you, did you set it in like some mortar or something that would be a little uh, additional support under there? Usually, these do better. Oh, if there's a dry pack, we use some dry pack mortar, you know, and just bed it so it just nestles in. But it, it, it don't worry about it. It's not too late. Here's a little trick that I think might help you. You're going to have to drill uh, a small hole in that ceiling of course if it's you need to repair it anyway that's not a huge deal and then blow in some of that canned poly insulation foam polyurethane the expanding foam and it, it, it'll flow under there do this on the drain end you know start there because that's where the problem is and just maybe a can or two under there and let it relax and cure and it takes about 24 hours and it gets fairly hard and that might make that'll make a good underpinning for the tub that so it won't flex anymore do you see what i'm saying i think so Ureth polyurethane it's the canned insulating foam it comes in aerosol cans it's kind of yellow and you use it around doors and windows you know to uh to insulate from the weather okay you know 
the, the bonus part of this is I can get to that from a crawl space upstairs. Okay. So, so I could probably get in there and, and just, just blow this around the edges of the, of the tub itself then. Well, yeah, you, well, I, the middle, the, the middle is might need more support than the edges. So you might, uh, anyway, you, I would get it. The drain is the problem. And uh, again, that right. as you chomp around upstairs, taking a shower, it does flex. And even some microscopic flex, you might even not even notice it, but you may notice some noise, some popping or squeaking or something, uh, that, uh, that this will alleviate. So you might, I don't know if you have a, any kind of an endoscope, uh, to, uh, to look up in that space, or, or you said you have access from a crawl space. Is yes. that what you said? Yes. So you can, yes. can you see under the tub? Yes. All right. Well, there you go. Just blow a bunch of that foam under there. Don't get too crazy because there is some the expansion uh, is, uh, uh, you know, is fairly significant. It like doubles in size. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Is that one one of the brands of of it, Chris? Chris said great stuff is one of the brands. I know MD and a lot of people have brands of the insulating foam. But yeah, blow it under there, and it, it, as I say, two or three cans worth. And I think after you let it harden up, I would not use the tub for at least twenty four hours after you blow it under there. And I think you'll be pleased with the results. And then just reset that seal and everything. Yep, yep. Because I, you, yeah, I, okay. I don't think the flexing is going to bother you anymore. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, sir. You got it. Good to hear from you. Thank you for your call. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's that's good stuff. Uh, it 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 makes a good seal around windows, around you know, patio doors, and any time where there's a, a gap under the siding where it hangs down over the foundation. The problem with it is it deteriorates quickly in the sunshine. So the recommendation is not to expose it to direct sunlight cover it with something else but burton's not gonna have that problem because it'll be under the tub yeah when we when we put an acrylic tub in uh, we usually try to bed it in something now some of the manufacturers uh, do provide uh, a little frame uh, a, it's an actual uh, polystyrene frame that goes under the tub for additional support or uh, i've seen contractors bed it in a like a dry pack mortar mix which is mortar that's just barely damp that hardens up but it makes a nice firm bed under an acrylic tub so yeah they do flex a little bit 719-473-1240 um mart marty says uh our dog had surgery sorry about that and afterwards had several accidents on one section of the carpet We've tried Nature's Miracle and the Woolite products, Oxy products, no luck. Any other ideas? Well, I, I, years ago, I remember a carpet guy said there's a product called Urine Off. You can get this at Amazon that works really well, and I've used it when I had cats. I, I, I use this stuff. You can buy it by the gallon on Amazon. Uh, it actually dissolves the urea salts that are in the carpet fibers, uh, and, um, and that's what you know gives you the odor so uh, and then you can use a, a carpet cleaner or you know some kind of a, a rent a carpet once once you use the urine off you can actually use a damp old towel and some a little bit of a detergent or something or uh, some resolve is a good carpet cleaner and just scrub the area down so uh the, i think they make a dog version and a cat version of urine off but it works 
really, really well. Now, if this went on for a while and the urine soaked into the pad and the subflooring, that's another problem. It's a little more severe. In that case, a professional carpet cleaning company is going to have to come in and and roll the carpet back, uh, cut the, the the stained carpet pad out and throw it away, and and then spray some primer. You want two or three coats of Kills or Bullseye One Two Three on that plywood or whatever your subfloor is. But try the urine off. That that there's another uh, Nature's Miracle is another one. I guess you said you tried that. Uh, I before I my kitties uh, before uh, they left me um, the urine off was was uh, did a pretty good job so i do like that stuff so i heard saw you guys nodding your heads in there so yeah it's a fairly fairly good product and i did get mine uh, on uh, on amazon 719-473-1240 uh danny says i have an older appliances what do you think of a warranty plan for 50 bucks a month well that's 600 dollars a year uh and you know it depends how old and i can't imagine if you have old appliances there's probably a lot of fine print with those 600 bucks uh a year is uh, i'd probably save the money and if you have to buy a new dishwasher or even a new range one of these days you'll have the 600 instead of instead of uh instead of buying the warranty the warranty is nothing but a wager you know like life insurance is I'll, i'll bet you 50 bucks a month until you die that you don't die right that old joke same idea with warranty companies design these premiums and the fine print so they don't have to pay out a lot because they want to make a profit and, uh, and of course they're that's why they're there so um i think that's probably uh, something i would pass on uh, unless your appliances seem like they're just getting ready to crap out you know that would be a different thing but uh, i would um i would not you don't want to bet with people that have access to data from millions and millions of people so they know exactly when appliances fail and how they fail and percentage wise and that kind of thing so uh, i would probably pass on that most of these warranty uh, programs uh, are not as uh, are not as good as you as they lead you to believe let's see here is steve on the line all right hang on just a minute we're gonna get steve on the air right now you're on the air hey good afternoon how are you mr ted hey buddy what's up a uh, quick question. Yeah. On on property wind events. Got a strange house here. Probably been the last house ever. But the orientation is uh, 330, 150 magnetic. And as you know, we get a lot of high winds, winter, summer. And a few years back, <clears throat> the upper level, it's got one of those half moon windows that does nothing except look nice. Yeah. And that thing blew out. There's this huge low pressure area. In the front of the house, and then secondarily, every time the wind blows, I'm not picking up trash. It's got people's bank statements, brokerage statements, medical records, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what a low pressure venturi is? And I mean, what's a snow pattern when it comes in? And I've never had a house like this. Think about that to have enough low pressure for a window to blow out. I've never heard of such thing. It must not have been installed very well because I've I've never. Uh, uh, are you you're not kidding me? Are you? No. Yeah. And of course, it required sticking plywood on it. Eleven hundred bucks later, several weeks, replace it. But uh, you know, the low pressure Bernoulli thing is. Yeah. Kind of got me kind of baffled because I've never had a house like this in the last 
several. So is it just this uh, one window that drives you crazy? Well, yes. And that was on the upper level. Yeah. In between bedrooms facing southeast. And it blew out with probably 60 knot to 80 knot gust winds. And I'm going, huh, this is different. Well, what about but, des- what about Steve designing a, like a storm panel to go over it on the outside? Uh, you could have somebody fabricate another layer of glass uh, uh, to go on the like a storm window on the outside. That that would probably help. Well, that's a thought. Yeah, but you know yeah. the other issue, just this house, I guess, because my neighbors don't have this issue with the same orientation. Yeah, is to collect all this trash with people's private information from bank account, brokerage account. So where, where, where does the trash accumulate? I mean, in your front yard? In the yard. Oh, in yeah. In the yard. So I'm a good guy. I just pick it up, trash it, rip it up. But it is a strange deal to get that kind of much low pressure. Yeah, well, I, well I, you could always put a windbreak in that you won't live to see, but it would help the next person. Like, like what? Like what, a skyscraper? No, I'm, ta- yeah, I'm talking about like Russian olive trees or something that would break that wind, I guess. Yeah, are you You must You must sit up kind of high, as it sounds like, huh? Well, actually, we're at the lower end of a hill in northern Brigade. Yeah. But uh, I've never, ever, ever had a house like this in the last six. Well, there can and be I mean, some I kind of a, you know, like a funneling it. effect that at the bottom of a hill, sometimes the wind will come down there and kind of accelerate as it gets to the bottom. So, yeah, but I would, yeah. I'd call one of the window companies and see about getting a, a storm, like a single paned glass storm window on there. That would sure, that would sure help. I well, can't help you with the yard work. What's that? It hasn't happened since it happened a while back. Yeah. So yeah. I'm probably not going to mess with it. But uh, it's just kind of a weird. Wind is, the wind is weird. You know, I get all kinds of wind questions about attic vents, you know, flopping around at night, waking up people. And because of that low pressure thing that in attics, you know, the wind blows through the attic and sucks that attic vent up, you know, and vibrates it and so on sure. and tap, tap, tap. So, sure. yeah. And then you get, you know, high tide and low tide in your toilet bowls. You've seen that before, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate your thought. All right. Run up past it. All right, Steve. Have a good one. Thanks for calling. Okay, you too. 719 473 1240. We'll take a bottom of the hour break here and be back uh, with more of your phone calls right after this, right here, as they say, on Around the House. Stick around. Well, now, we've got a lot of winter to go. Have you looked at your utility bill lately? Yeah, natural gas is going up and up and up. As the temperature goes down, down, down. So I want you to call Dutch's Home Improvement. This is a company I know you've heard of. They've been around over 30 years. And they have the best brands of vinyl windows available at great prices and the best installers in town. And if you have ugly old windows, aluminum, steel, or wood windows from the bygone eras, man, you're wasting a lot of energy. Time to make your home more energy efficient and give it a facelift, too. New windows will make your house seem newer than its actual age. So call Dutchess at 719-392-1369 or DutchessHomeImprovement.com. Uh, they serve uh, Colorado Springs, surrounding areas, fully licensed and insured naturally. They're your local home improvement contractor and the go-to people for energy-efficient vinyl windows. Save on your utility bill. Call Dutchess at 719-392-1369 or DutchessHomeImprovement.com. 
From your roof to your foundation and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. It's 23 minutes before the hour now. I wanted to thank, I forgot to do this and I should have done it earlier. I apologize. Jim Rowland from Click Heating and Air was here last week. We got a lot of great questions answered about heating and air conditioning and venting and so on. And I want you to call Click for anything that you need in that uh, in that arena, if you will. Uh, he was a great guest. We'll have him back uh, sometime. A lot of good questions and a lot of good answers from Jim at Click Heating and Air. Uh, this is from Tim. We have a kitchen hood that vents out through the roof. Lately, water's been dripping down from it onto the stove after we cook. Yeah, is there any way to stop this? Well, that's very common in this kind of weather we find ourselves with all the cold air outside. Uh, the, the, one of the things you need to make sure is the duct, as it goes out through the attic, is it insulated? Now, in the old days, and by the old days, I mean probably 15 years ago or earlier, uh, we just kind of ignored this. Now, the building codes, the specifically the energy codes, now require all of those ducts that go out through your attic, a dryer, bath fan, a kitchen fan, to be insulated just to save energy. So if it isn't insulated, you can crawl up in the attic there. You can use plain fiberglass bats. You can take you can get fiberglass insulating bats and peel the paper off if you can't find uh, unfaced insulation you can wrap it around there use uh, use duct tape to make sure uh, you actually wire would be a little better because over time the duct tape kind of the the adhesive gets a little stiff and cakey and and let's go so yeah a little wire around there to wrap the insulation blankets around that duct in the attic would be uh, would be a, a good thing to do if the if after you insulate it if the fan still drips after you're cooking leave it on for 10 or 15 minutes after you're done so the fan can help evaporate whatever moisture is in there what's going on of course is you, you know, cooking spaghetti whatever you're producing steam when you cook and the steam gets up there in that cold pipe and evaporates and drips back down uh, through uh, through your hood same thing can happen with bath fans I hear this a little more often, uh, and um, the same idea. The You take a shower, and there's a lot of moisture produced, a lot of vapor and steam and so on, and uh, it, it drips back down through the fan, drips into the bathroom. In this case, it's, easy, it's easier to re- kind of repair this or modify, mitigate it, if you will, you can crawl up there and make a little trap. And this is an old trick that a heating contractor shared with me once upon a time. First of all, the duct from your bath fan, it should be insulated also. Now, in a, probably in an older home, it's going to be hard to get to and hard to modify after the fact. But if you can't do that, you can make a little trap, which is a level, a level place in that duct just above the bathroom. Level it out. Uh, just, just, you know, just like a little... A flat spot, maybe eight to twelve inches long, and then after that, it can go up and in, into the upper parts of the attic, wherever it happens to be vented. And that trap will collect whatever moisture would uh, ha- have been dribbling into your bathroom, and it'll sit there and evaporate over over time. So uh, that's uh, that's one trick to keep it uh, with a bath fan. But I hope that's helpful to you. Uh, Tim, about getting uh, in, in, in case you don't want to crawl in your attic or or can't or whatever, you can, as I say, let that fan run 
15 minutes or so, 10 or 15 minutes after you cook to get that moisture up and out of that uh, that vent on your kitchen on your kitchen fan. Don't forget the podcasts. My podcasts, uh, for, for really gratifying reasons, because you're downloading them and listening to them, are the number one podcast here at the station. So I'm really grateful for that. And you can uh, get the podcast going back to uh, the 1st of July last uh, last year by going to aroundthehouse.com, click on listen to podcasts or the krdo.com radio slash radio website. And uh, Chris will have the podcast for today up within a couple hours after we go off the air. So they're all sitting there waiting for you to download them, listen to them at your heart's uh, content, the podcast of the Around the House program. 719-473-1240 and live email at the aroundthehouse.com website. Uh, This is from Katie. I live in a 1950s era house. There's some fiber-like ceiling tile in the basement. Do you think it contains uh, asbestos? What should I do with it? If it's intact, that is, if it's nice and flat and not you know, flaking or not broken or cracked or anything, you can, uh, you can just get some interior latex paint, good, good acrylic latex paint like a satin or an uh, eggshell finish, and just paint right over it. If there is asbestos there, it'll lock it in uh, into in place, and you'll brighten up the room anyway because you'll have a if you choose kind of a uh, not of a bright white, but kind of a whitish uh, color, or maybe a little gray tint to it. It'll brighten up that room. Assume there is asbestos in this material. I, I most of that ceiling tile from that era did not have asbestos, but we don't know, and there's no reason to test it because. Um, it's expensive to test it and if if it is asbestos containing you can the, the recipe is still the same paint right over it to seal it and make in in place and make sure it stays intact so uh don't but the last thing you want to do is remove it that's the bottom line here anything that may contain asbestos the last thing to do is remove it because you'll release all the fibers into the air so paint right over that or you could add a layer of drywall on it right again right over the top and then texture the drywall, whatever, but leave it in place. Assume it has asbestos. I would bet, not a lot of money, but I bet a little money that it does not contain asbestos. But why take a chance when the cure is the same uh, in either case? Okay, so that was, Katie, that's a good question. Uh, that's a very common material used. I remember in school rooms back in the, in the schools built in the 40s and 50s had that fiber uh, ceiling tile in them that way they put furring strips in and then and then staple it to the uh to the furring strips 719-473-1240 we'll be right back take a break now and we'd love to hear from you today and don't forget we have live email at aroundthehouse.com need help with your next home project back to around the house with ken moon give him a call now at 719-473-1240 that's 719-473-1240 11 minutes before the hour on the around the house program we'll shout out to our loyal listeners up on casper listening on ktwo mighty the mighty 1030 up there in casper 50,000 watt voice of wyoming which, you know, kind of in the center of the state and just covers the whole, virtually the whole state 
of Wyoming, and they've just been friends of mine for many years. I think going back to maybe 1998, something like that, Casper's been carrying the program. Now, they time-shifted, so it's on at 4 o'clock instead of instead of uh, live at 1 o'clock. So anybody in Casper wants to check in on the show, make sure you call between 1 and 3 on a Saturday afternoon. This is... Um, Terry, I have a radon problem in my basement because it's at 15.0, what needs to be done. That's pretty high. I have a feeling you're over in the mountains or the foothills or somewhere up in the actual mountains themselves. We tend Radon tends to get higher the farther west you go into the foothills, into the mountain geography, ge- I'm sorry, geology and geography too. Because the upthrust of the mountains means that all that uranium that's decaying underneath can escape up into the environment. And radon is a, is a decay product, a, uh, kind of a daughter product, if you will, of, of uh, uranium and radium and, and so on as it, as it decays. So uh, you, you need to mitigate this. Now, a sidebar, as we get out into the plains, we have a, a intervening layer of alluvial kind of gra- gravel and sand that so the radon kind of stays put but in an area like yours i'll bet uh you're in the uh, in the mountain or foothill area yeah and that's three times the recommendation of the uh, epa now the epa 4.0 recommendation is a little arbitrary it's uh the the kind of the urban legend and i haven't verified this is that when they set the level back in the early 80s it was about as low as they could measure it and so we've we've stuck with that and the reason i think it's a little arbitrary is because for many years scandinavian countries canada places in europe even the uh, un health advisory uh folks uh had uh, had levels allowable levels in the 10 12 18 20 uh, uh pico curies per liter but we're at 4.0 now and that's the way it goes and there is some evidence that there may be long-term implications of, of uh, increased risks of lung cancer. And they're very hard to measure because there are so many other things that cause lung cancer. Of course, smoking, obviously, and, and pollution and other environmental factors. So it's pretty hard to pin down. The EPA estimates 20,000 or so people uh, got lung can- will get lung cancer each year. Now, I don't think... now. Uh, you know that that's hard to verify from radon. So uh, I, those are radon. Uh, those are sorry, lung cancer deaths, twenty thousand or so per year from radon because it's kind of everywhere. As, again, that's hard to verify, but why not mitigate it if you can? In your case, it's pretty high, and it'll come up when you go to sell your house. Uh, it it will come up again because the the new buyer will want to do a radon test. And they'll have a heart attack when they see 15. So find a mitigation company. Mitigation companies are required to be licensed. And there's uh, in the Colorado Springs area, and most towns, there's several to pick from. Uh, There's a company in the Springs called Aspen that I've recommended for many years. They do do a nice job. And mitigation is a fancy word for lowering the radon level inside. And it's easy for them to do. It's not as hard as it difficult as it sounds. What they basically do in a nutshell is they suck a vacuum from under the house and blow that air outside before the radon intrudes into the living area. And they put a, uh, some kind of a duct system and a fan 
uh, that pulls a negative pressure under the basement slab or in the crawl space or both to suck the radon out before it, as I say, before it gets in the living area. And this is not terribly expensive. Um, in a in a average size house, it's something between a thousand and fifteen hundred bucks. Now, if you've got uh, uh, the other thing that I th- I'm wondering here, uh, if you uh, to our emailer. If you have a crawl space, uh, crawl space homes tend to be higher than basement homes because they have an open, like a dirt or gravel area in the crawl space, and that's radon comes up through there. So they, if you have a crawl space, they'll put down some thick plastic and zigzag some perforated pipes under the plastic and uh, and uh, suck air through there. Also, if you have a regular concrete floor basement and a French drain, they'll poke into that French drain and uh, put a duct in and pull air from the French drain, which also creates negative pressure under the house. So say $1,500, give or take, for mitigation. And then they'll do a post-mitigation. Uh, they'll wait two or three days for the uh, system to stabilize. And then they'll do a post-mitigation radon test. And most of these companies guarantee, of course, below the 4.0. But even some of them will say, we'll get it down to less than 2 maybe one and a half or two, and they'll do a post-mitigation test. So uh, if you've got 15 in your basement, now I want to make sure that you've tested more than once. Uh, I doubt that it'll go down, but radon can be seasonal. And if your level is – now, the 15, I think you're you're stuck with mitigation. But if you test your home and it's 6 or 7 or something like that, barely over the 4.0 limit, then you test – uh, wait three or four months to a different season of the year until a different season of the year and then do a, another test and sometimes you can average those results together and they'll be less than four but at 15 you pretty much got to get this uh, get this done and uh, as I say it's not a big deal but get two or three estimates if you can it's not an emergency you know you're not gonna uh, pick up a, a lung cancer from a few more weeks of exposure to the radon now if you have kids, Kids' lungs, of course, like other, like all of their body, their brain, and so on, is de- are developing and creating new cells, and and there's a little enhanced risk of of getting those alpha particles from radon captured in lung tissue for little kids. So if if there are kids sleeping down there, it's a little more of a high priority. We don't want those kids to be uh, at risk. So um, maybe you know until this radon level is lowered, you might have them sleep upstairs and. Uh, get them out of that radon environment. But if there's nobody sleeping down there, nobody living in the basement, then it's, it's not a, a kind of an emergency. It's just something you're just going to have to get done uh, when you can. So that's a good question. 15 is pretty high. I don't I don't know what your situation is. I'll bet you have a, a crawl space. Uh, Richard says, how do I know if my dryer vent's okay? How can I clean it? Well, we, we covered this a, oh, a month ago or so. Uh, you can... Uh, one of the things you can do is to take there's a a grill on the outside of your house where the air comes out from the dryer you can take that off unscrew it and pop it off the house and look down there with a strong flashlight uh, an led you know a high-powered flashlight and if you see a lot of junk in there of course you 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 know that it's been a while since it's been cleaned so you want to do that Uh, i guarantee you if there's stuff on the outside end of your dryer vent then there's a lot of crap crud if you will (laughs) 
is a better word. That's a better word, isn't it? Uh, on the inside of your dryer vent, behind the dryer. That's where it really accumulates. So it's easy to do this. We used to have to kind of, pull, we used to recommend pulling it out with, you know, a long board with a nail on it. And, or some people use uh, fishing rods. Yeah, that kind of The way to do it now is to blow it out. And that's the recommendation. Get yourself an electric leaf blower, uh, battery. Eh, I like the plug-in electric a little more powerful, but uh, a strong battery one will work too. And you you stick it in the dryer vent behind the dryer, turn it on, and it'll blow all that junk, the crud, let's at least crud, out into the yard. So um, it's easy to do, clean out your dryer by blowing that material out. Uh, And it needs to be done about once a year. Uh, And if you have a vertical dryer vent that goes up through the roof, you probably want to do it twice a year because they accumulate material a lot quicker than than the regular horizontal dryer vents so yeah you want to check that yourself you can the flashlight if you see a lot of junk in there then you probably need to need to blow it out but a leaf blower works very very well you have somebody on the other end outside with a cardboard box rather than blow the lint all over the lawn you want to maybe put a box on the end to kind of capture most of it as it comes out of the as it comes out of the, uh, yeah, put a mask and goggles on too, right? Yeah, catcher's mitt. I like it. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. All right, that's part one. Uh, we'll have, be back with part two of Around the House right after the news. So stick around. Our phone number 719-473-1240 and live email at aroundthehouse.com. We'll see you right after the news. Six minutes after the hour, part two of Around the House right now. And we're glad you're with us. Thanks for sharing your weekend with us. As uh, I've been saying that for 29 and a half years now. We're coming up to our uh, 30th anniversary, which will be this November. So, yeah, I had a lot of of great shows thanks to you and our advertisers. And we're glad you're with us, sharing your weekend with us here on Around the House. Our phone number is... 719-473-1240-473-1240. 719-473-1240. And let's see here. Who is this from? Annie says she saw an ad for a non-salt water treatment device. Uh, do you like these? Well, uh, I don't know if it's one of these magnetic devices you clamp onto your pipe or uh, or whatever. I think that's maybe what you're talking about. Uh, talking about and it's it's kind of advert they don't really say it's a water softener they kind of skate around that they talk about a water descaler and that kind of thing when you think about it when water goes through a pipe at 30 miles an hour uh, putting a a magnet or even some kind of an electronic or electrical magnetic field around it is not going to change anything it's the it's the magnesium and calcium ions in the water that you can't see, they're ions, of course, suspended in the water. That's what makes water hard, and they need to be removed chemically, not electrically, and there's no evidence that these non-salt water treatment devices work. So I would pass this by. If you have hard water, Annie, then I understand. You'd probably want to 
get it softened because life's easier that way. You don't have all that scaly mess around your faucets and you don't have, uh, you, you know, your clothes come out cleaner, your dishes come out cleaner with, a, with no cloudiness. It's easier to shampoo your hair, take a shower and all that with softened water. So you want to do an ion exchange and that's the basic, that's the old way to soften water. We use predominantly sodium, although there are some potassium versions of this uh, sodium ion exchange, which means we substitute sodium ions for the calcium and magnesium ions, which makes the water turn from hard to soft. Now, to see if you've got soft water, uh, they measure the softness in what's called grains. It's a simple measurement. It's kind of a linear scale. And uh, if you have seven grains or higher uh, in your water uh, of, of these ions, magnesium and calcium, then it, it is hard and needs to be softened. And we simply put a water softener in the basement, hook it up to the piping, and it just sits there. And uh, the water flows through this kind of resin tank kind of idea where the ions are exchanged on the resin beads. And so you come out with sodium water with some sodium ions in it, and it's softer and it's just easier to handle and clean and bathe with and so on. Problem is there's a little bit more sodium in there than you might want. Sodium, of course, is one of the reasons that people have high blood pressure. So if you're older and have some blood pressure concerns, then it's usually a good idea not to drink too much of that softened water. And the way you handle that is to is to use a, an ion exchanger. Uh, I'm sorry, a, 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 let me back up. Reverse osmosis system under the kitchen sink where you drink, get your drinking water from and your coffee and ice maker water and so on. And the reverse osmosis will take all those sodium ions out, and you'll have just pure, pure water. So you, uh, if, if now some people soften the hot side only, and you could try that if you have uh, some flexibility in the piping in your basement and can get to the hot water side only because your hot water tanks down there. Sometimes just softening the hot water is all you need to do to get a little more cleaning and bathing relief and so on. So you might try that. And and then you're not running softened water through your toilets, wasting it, you know, that kind of idea. And uh, if uh, you could try that, uh, maybe on a temporary basis, do the hot water only, and then you can drink the cold water at the kitchen or wherever else you want to. If you choose to soften all the water in the house, which frankly is what most people end up doing, then you're going to want to put that RO system because you don't want your pets or your plants or your family drinking uh, water with extra sodium ions in it. So, yeah, I would pass by, uh, Annie, these uh, non-salt treatments because salt ion exchange is the way, uh, the tried and true way to soften water if you have hard water uh, at your house. 719-473-1240 is uh, our telephone number and here's one and I, and I know who this guy is on on the on one of the home repair channels um uh, uh, vicky says i saw a recommendation on tv about removing your old insulation and using spray foam for a better r value uh any thoughts on this yeah that's one of those tv things that in, in theory sounds fine but it's terribly expensive what do you do with the old insulation? How do you get it out of there? You know, of course, you can remove it from the attic, but you never want to pull insulation out of your house. I don't care how much you t- 
tent off the house and isolate it and so on, you could end up with just crud in your house you don't want to breathe like asbestos for one thing heavy metals like arsenic and manganese and so on or fiberglass particles at the very least fiberglass per se is not um, necessarily harmful unless you breathe it in which case it gets in your lungs and can do damage i mean it's not poisonous like arsenic would be but you just leave insulation alone and leave it where it is uh and so uh, I've even seen uh, people recommend, you know, if you've got uh, insulation in, expo- in, in in wall areas where you can get around behind the wall, rip those out and put foam in. I, this is just all uh, all nonsense because it's expensive and not very effective. So leave your insulation alone. If you want to add some, that's a good idea. You want to, uh, but whatever you have, now just throwing out some types there's the old rock wool insulation a lot of that was made down in pueblo by the way which created a super fun site down there years ago uh it was made by uh by actually cooking rock and the the strands of the uh, rock wool insulation had heavy metals in them that's been long gone but there's a lot of houses around from the 80s and earlier that have rock wool in them uh, fiberglass, of course, you know about. Cellulose is another one. There's some old vermiculite insulation and other kinds of of cellulose uh, from bygone eras. And some of the vermiculite from certain parts of the country have asbestos in the in the particles. So you, you, whatever you have, you want to leave it in place because it would just it makes a bigger mess and uh, creates some hazardous conditions for you and your family if you try to remove insulation. So Forget this guy on TV. Just don't do it. Add to what you have now. You can put a, a blanket of insulation right over the material you have now, like another four, or six, eight inches, whatever, right over what you have now. Because so, you want about a 15 to 16-inch total insulation blanket uh, blown in loose material in your attic. That's uh, that's kind of the recommendation, which gives you up close to an R50 uh and uh, foam insulation by the way the two-part foam which is an expanding foam like we talked about earlier in the show the insulating foam that you can put around uh, windows and doors foam insulation is very very effective because it has a real high r value for per inch but it's best best used in newer homes where you can kind of start from scratch uh versus older homes where you try to retrofit and you can never retrofit insulation really well you can only the only insulation you can really get to effectively in an existing house is in the attic and that means you want to add to what you have not not subtract leave it alone for sure uh, that's a good question i vicky i appreciate that 719-473-1240 is our phone a number and we'll be back with your uh, more of this week's great email right after this on around the house well you know as i've said so many times life is too short not to have central air you don't want to go through another sweltering summer it's hard to think of summer right now but it's on the way and it's going to get hot again this summer new government regulations mean you'll pay a lot more for central air than if you act right now there's a limited supply at click heating and air of 13 sear air conditioners and once these are gone and the new regulations kick in from the feds. Who else, right? Hello. Uh, over a thousand bucks more for central air. So get it done. Call Click Heating and Air, 719 782 5425. Get in the queue and they'll get central air at your house and get you all set for.
uh, for summer. So don't put this off because you need central air at your house. I, I, I have it. I just wouldn't be without it. Save a thousand bucks for a limited time only. Click heating and air, 719-782-5425, or clickheatingandair.com. When these are gone, they're gone. So give them a call. Things break around the house. That's why there's the Around the House program with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. It's 20 minutes after the hour. Don't forget the podcasts of the Around the House program are available uh, online for your download or listening and dancing and dining pleasure. Whatever you want to do with them, you can check in uh, at aroundthehouse.com. Click on the Listen to Podcast icon, a little a little sentence there i guess and krdo.com slash radio right is that where they are yeah yeah so very yeah so and chris um he'll you'll have the podcast up uh, two or three minutes after we go off the air right no probably closer to two hours yeah okay so we'll have so we have a library now going back oh nine months or so out of july huh yeah yeah so that's good and then i and, and i still am amazed at this the old iHeart podcasts from bygone years, back to 2000, I think 15, are available for my old shows, and you can get those at uh, what's your uh, what's give me some podcast apps. Uh, is it an Apple Podcast app? I uh, like I, an iTunes or uh, yeah, there's um there's one. I, it's a purple logo I see on my phone. What what is that? If you just go to Google and and put my name in, you'll see those. Oh yeah, here here it says. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right, Chris. Apple Podcast is a purple, little purple app here. Yeah, and and there's uh, there's one more. I can't remember what. Oh man, I don't want to have a lot of dead air here looking for it. But there are two or three other podcast apps that you can use. But uh, ours, um, uh, Caradio.com/slash/radio, you can get it right there. So anyway, uh, I have a lot of podcasting in my background and. It's going really well. We're so happy that you've jumped on board with these podcasts here in our KRDO uh, universe uh, of the program. Let's see. Julie says, we had a guy come out and clean our furnace ducts. Now he says we should seal the ducts with an injection of plastic particles to prevent air leaks. What do you think of this idea? It's pretty expensive. Yeah, I know it is. Uh, I don't think a lot of it. If you think, you know, and this is relies on, you know, a little high-pressure to blast these little uh, acrylic or whatever, I guess they're resin particles into the cracks that are leaking in your duct system. But if you think about it, air leaking from your furnace ducts stays inside the energy, quote, envelope of your house. It's not like it's leaking outdoors, right? So you're really not wasting heating dollars per se because uh, all duct, especially in older houses, ducts just simply leak i mean they're usually uh in the older days we didn't put a lot of tape around the joints when we put one duct pipe into another so you're not wasting anything um if um now here's an exception sometimes one or more of the branch heating ducts leak enough to whistle which is a pretty irritating sound um if you can get to these you can wrap them with silver duct tape i mean that's you know that's something that we don't nobody likes to hear uh, but many times they're not accessible uh, in that case it might be worth sealing the ducks if it drives you nuts but uh, yeah it's pretty expensive i've heard prices up in the two grand range for this stuff 
So I would probably pass this by in in most cases, just too expensive uh, considering that you're not really gaining anything in terms of wasting energy. The same thing with, uh, we used to recommend and not, I don't recommend it anymore, uh, except in, and I'll talk about the limited cases in a second here, but we used to talk about insulating water heaters. Now, if you have a gas water heater and a gas furnace in your utility room downstairs, there's no reason to insulate the gas water heater because you're, uh, it's natural gas and any heat that radiates from the hot water tank stays in the energy envelope of your house again. Now, um, the exception is, and here we go because I'm seeing more and more articles and more and more blogs and news uh, pieces about going all electric, like that's some kind of, kind of big benefit when all we do is instead of using fossil fuels in our cars, uh, we use them in the power plant. Big deal, right? Or in our furnaces, we use them in the power plant, which is kind of silly and stupid if you think about it. Nevertheless, if you have an electric water heater in your house, and a lot of you do, I know you do, you want to insulate an electric water heater regardless of where it is. And the reason is the is the main reason I don't recommend all electric houses or electric furnaces because it, it takes about four or five times more energy to produce a BTU with electric than it does with gas. Now, it's, that's a round number. It's not terribly precise, although I have looked up the precise numbers before. So if you're heating water with electric, you're, uh, you need to insulate that, that tank, regardless of where it is. Maybe it's uh, down in the furnace room also, but insulate that uh, electric water heater tank, especially if it's in a crawl space or many of you in manufactured homes, the electric water heater is in a closet on the outside of the house. Anytime there's a colder environment or even in the garage, many of you have water heaters in your garage. Uh, in that case, uh, you might want to insulate that electric water heater. Just in the garage is kind of a in-between. It's not outdoor temperature and it's not indoor temperature. You get the idea. So electric water heaters for sure should be uh, should be totally insulated. Now, with gas water heaters, about six, seven years ago, there were new federal regulations. Of course, that's where they all come from, about adding insulation, thicker insulation to a water heater tank in the, in the manufacturing process. So you'll notice that water heaters tend to be a little fatter now than they used to be because there's extra insulation. And it, of course, it added to the expense of buying a, a water heater. But you get the idea. The, the feds decided we're too stupid to save energy on our own. So they had to do it for us and pass regulations. So uh, especially newer uh, gas water heaters, uh, would ne- you wouldn't need insulation anyway because they're pre-insulated with extra thanks to the uh, thanks to the feds and the energy department 719-473-1240 is our telephone number i you know i see over and over it's just like it's a it's a constant drumbeat of all electric all electric there are new regulations here in colorado about requiring uh, electric retrofits and in and uh, multifamily and commercial properties are going to cost just tons of money for particularly mom and pop landlords trying to electrify so there's new regulations coming that while they seem to be sort of benign when everybody wants to save energy these regulations are pointing us in the direction of all electric and for the life of me i can't understand why that's a good deal when natural gas is such an easy fuel to deal with it's relatively pollution free just a little carbon dioxide a little water vapor not very much 
it pretty much complete combustion natural gas is such a blessing i know when you know when you come home at night and it's and it's 15 or 20 degrees outside and your house is all warm and fuzzy and 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 cozy from natural gas who wants to get rid of that right and and double your or your heating bill but that's the direction we're heading you can feel all the weenies and the bureaucrats who know nothing about physics or thermodynamics or anything want to point us to all electric because of because it's you know save the planet or whatever the reason is the problem is it just transfers uh, whatever pollution they're worried about to the power plant so until we wise up and get nuclear power it, it's just going to be just kind of a mess and it's going to cost the consumer you and me a lot more money uh to uh, heat our houses to cook because the gas stoves you know we've talked about this are going away and they want to get rid of furnaces also as a matter of fact in uh, california now i believe it's statewide uh, I, correct me on this if you know differently that new homes now they're if not outlawing but they're incentivizing all electric homes with no natural gas furnaces i'm not sure if they're outlawed yet i guess i need to look that but that's the direction they're heading in california and since all great ideas uh from california tend to migrate to the east uh we always get the uh leftover california uh, numbskull ideas coming out our way and i think i i think if it's not statewide it's in certain counties maybe the uh, la area and so on that are outlawing natural gas hookups to new construction you can look for that to come our way but until that's until that happens natural gas is the way to go as you as you well know 719-473-1240 rather than the start of a new a new topic here we'll take a quick break and be back with your phone calls right after this give us a call right here on around the house You know, lots of folks sell windows and siding and uh, and doors, but I want you to call the best in town. That's Dutch's Home Improvement. They carry the best brands, and they have the best installers in town. They've been around over 30 years. I met Gary, the owner of Dutch's, and his commitment to old-fashioned customer services is just very, very impressive. So I want you to give them a call to get some new windows on your house. It's time for energy-efficient windows. If you have older windows uh, from the uh, 80s and 90s, those old wood windows or steel or aluminum from bygone years, get rid of those windows and get your house, get, get it a facelift. But the impo- uh, most important point is to save energy. Summer and winter, by the way, with new energy-efficient windows from Dutch's Home Improvement. Call them at 719-392-1369 or dutcheshomeimprovement.com. They have the best installers, carry the best brands of energy-efficient vinyl windows. Get some on your house. Call Dutch's, 719-392-1369. Fix-It videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon walk you through it on Around the House. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. We are talking about sports a, a minute ago. Chris and I were uh, in the uh, – February is a little bit of a flat month after the Super Bowl. But, of course, the Super Bowl is later than it was. It used to be the first part of February. Now it's kind of the mm-hmm. kind of the middle. But uh, I guess the pitchers and catchers for the Rockies have reported this week, right? So mm-hmm. uh, baseball's around the corner. Uh, let's, let's see. Spring training is pretty much the month of March, right? Yes, and with the World Baseball Classic and everything, they're actually starting the spring training a little earlier. So, yeah. but the regular season starts March thirty first. So. I've got yeah, I've got friends that go down just 
now for the spring baseball in Phoenix, the, uh, the Cactus League, and it's it's a wonderful time of year down there with the grasses green and everything. People love going down there uh, for that. Super Bowl is sort of over. It used to be the – am I right about this? The Pro Bowl was a real football game uh, in Hawaii after the Super Bowl, right, for years. Yes. Now it was, wasn't it a, some weird flag football or something this year, was it? Yeah. Yeah, and they also moved it before the Super Bowl too. Yeah, and they because people don't want to get hurt in the Pro Bowl. Like, is that the, the theory? I guess. Mm-hmm. Although it was kind of fun to watch everybody running around and uh, I get the the rules for the Pro Bowl were different though to, to avoid injuries. I think they had some uh, some rules about uh, yeah tackling and that kind of thing. Anyway, Super Bowl's over. It's too bad one of those teams had to lose because they were both played so hard and um, uh, since I have family in Kansas City, I guess I'm glad. That uh, Kansas City won. Mahomes is quite a guy, isn't he? He's does a pretty nice job. He, at halftime, I figured it was over, didn't you? Yeah. Anyway, enough of that. Back to uh, what we're here for. 719-473-1240 is the phone number. Dennis says, I had a new bathroom installed. Fine. Good good deal. The toilet is on a concrete floor, and it rocks bath- back and forth. Even though I tightened up the bolts, yeah, you better be careful tightening up bolts on a toilet because you can crack the the base of the toilet. Is it normal to have some movement? Not really. Toilets are supposed to be nice and flat to the floor, and I, what's going on here is the concrete floor is probably a little uneven. Concrete floors aren't perfectly flat like wood would be. Uh, so uh, if this thing's rocking... Uh, as it's used, the, the bolts will tend to loosen up, and the and there's a wax ring, a seal under the toilet. It'll tend to loosen up a little. Bottom line is, it might start to might start to leak. So you got to get this kind of under control. You can buy there are special plastic shims you can buy to put under the low edge of the base. There, uh, you can find them at the hardware store or home center in the plumbing section. Uh, you can uh, loosen up the, the bolts a little bit, figure out which side is the low side, and tap some shims into place until there's no more rocking and rolling of the, uh, uh, of the, uh, of the toilet. And then retighten the bolts. Again, not too tight, right? Not too tight, not too loose. And then apply a little caulking uh, around the, the toilet so you can hide those, those plastic shims. Now, you never want to caulk the back of a toilet, just the three sides, left, right, and front. Because if there's a leak, you want the leak to be telegraphed out the back of the toilet rather than kind of sit there. So um, there's another phenomenon, in, particularly in basement bathrooms, that uh, you you might kind of think about. A lot of times I'll see basement toilets four or five inches away from the wall because of the where they framed the wall wasn't quite lined up with the pipes and uh, or something like that. And if that's the case... Sometimes it's helpful to put a piece of two-by-four or wood behind that toilet tank because people that sit on that toilet and lean back and forth uh, and, and and push on it uh, tend to loosen that up, and there's going to be a leak there also. So you can stick a, a piece of wood behind there, uh, and, and you put a little adhesive on it if you want to just to hold that toilet tank in place. So that's another place that you risk having a leak by having a loosey-goosey toilet. So, that's Dennis, that was a good... That's a good question, yeah. And I, you don't want you want toilets to be really stable. You don't want them to rock and roll <laughs> at all. Okay, seven one nine four seven three twelve forty is the telephone number. This this is a question which I like because it it relates to 
a half hour ago or so we talked about water softeners and what kind to buy and that kind of thing and this is daryl says this is a great question i'm considering a water softener for my house which is on a septic tank can i damage the septic tank and there this is a little bit of a mixed bag most sewer companies that specialize in cleaning and maintaining septic tanks don't like the idea of dumping the the output from a water softener into a septic tank because it's a heavily salty brine kind of line uh that uh if you think about it brine for thousands of years has been used as a preservative that's how they salt fish and that sort of thing so it is a preservative it is a bacteria antibacterial kind of thing so when the when your water softener it recharges itself i don't know every few days two three times a week and there's a strong salt solution that comes out of a hose from your water softener since salt's a preservative it can kill the micro the microbes in your septic tank there's a there's a delicate balance of of microbes in your septic tanks bacteria that processes the sewage as it gets in there uh so it's best if you have a choice here not to put your water softener brine line into the sewer at your house if you have a septic tank and so if you so it's a better idea to run it outdoors and you dig i've seen people do this dig a little pit maybe two or three feet down away from any plantings or trees or bushes or anything in a in a non uh, a non-garden kind part of the yard and dig a pit and put some rocks in there and run that hose into those rocks and that way the brine will disperse down into the uh, into the soil just kind of innocuously. Want to keep it away from the well also. Of course, you don't want any brine going down. So you, you want to keep it kind of on the lower side of your yard, kind of maybe, and that's probably where the septic tank is anyway. So it's best to run it outdoors if you can. Now, will it ruin a septic tank? I don't know. I mean, there's a there, there are two schools of thought on that. Some people think that it, uh, if it's a big enough family and enough liquids going in that tank anyway every day that the little brine won't hurt. But uh, the, the people that maintain septic tanks tell me it's best to run it outside if you have a if you have a choice. Speaking of septic tanks, uh, adding enzymes, bacteria, any kind of additive, chemical or natural or otherwise, is not a good idea. I mean, I, we, this is something that. Uh, pretty much all septic tank companies agree on because you don't want to interfere with that bacterial balance in the septic tank which is if you if you put extra uh, uh, additives in there like extra bacteria or enzymes it'll hasten the breakdown of the sludge and it'll 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 break it down too quickly and too fine and it'll instead of settling to the bottom of the septic tank which is where you want the sludge to go it might get out into the leach field out in the yard, and that's a problem because the leach field can break down. Uh, and if that happens, it, it, you know, hello, fifteen thousand bucks or something to replace a, a leach field if it if it jams up with sludge and material that shouldn't be there. We want pretty much of just plain fluid. It's not totally clear; it's kind of grayish. We want just nothing but water to get out of that leach field to, to disperse down. Uh, down into the uh, into the soil so if you add any kind of uh, septic additives uh, it might hasten the accelerate the processing of the septic tank and cause leach field problems so normal household use normal bacteria going into your 
Septic tank is just fine. All you need to do. You don't need any additives uh, of any kind. So, and you save money that way. Normal household use. Now, if you want to see rules of the road about septic tanks, about do's and don'ts and what to add and what not to add, you can go to my website. And I think it's under the show stuff uh, area, which is stuff we talk about here on the program. If you, if you burrow down in there, there's a bunch of pages because the website's been around a long time. Yeah, or, or go to the search engine and type in septic, uh, and you'll find it. There's a list of 10 or 12 items. Uh, Arrowhead Septic Company here in town, which is a an older, a well-known company, gave me that list and has things like don't do all your laundry on one day and uh, be careful about grease and be careful with your disposal and all those kinds of rules that uh, of the road. that uh, If you haven't had a septic tank before, and moved into a house that has well, nothing wrong with a septic tank, but there are some, uh, there are uh, septic-friendly toilet tissues you can use. There's also septic-friendly bleach, like powdered bleach versus chlorine bleach. Those kinds of ideas you'll see them there on the website. Go to aroundthehouse.com and click on show stuff. Okay. Uh, in addition, that area has all kinds of things like aluminum wiring and. Uh, it even even has some recipes for homemade cleaning solutions. A lot of fun stuff under show stuff at aroundthehouse.com. Quarter till the hour, and I'll take a break. Be back right after that. 719-473-1240 is our phone number right here on Around the House. Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon is here to help. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Hey there, it's 11 minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. Uh, Josh says, do you recommend insulating the basement before hanging sheetrock on the walls? Absolutely. Not only do I recommend it, it's required by the energy codes now to have insulation. And I, the last time I checked, an R11 bat was uh, was uh, allowed. That's about a three and a half inch or so uh, bat as I, uh, and you know, you might even look for an R13 because it's about the same, almost the same thickness, even is a little better. We, we, we staple the insulation to the studs in the basement, just like we do upstairs, because you don't glue the wall to the basement concrete walls first of all basement concrete walls are not straight no matter how they look they're just they go in and out a little bit which is just comes with the territory in a concrete wall so we usually build the wall the stud wall on the floor looks like a ladder we nail it all together so it's nice and you know straight and square and so on and then two or three guys will grab a hold of it and tip it up and then kind of stabilize it and plummet um uh, and then nail it top and bottom on the floor and on the top so it's nice and straight but there's usually a, there's a gap behind there uh, the studs are about three and a half inches uh in depth plus there's a, usually a little space behind them because we want to straighten that wall up and we have a little gap between the concrete and the wood wall and that's great because it's a great place to put all your cable tv wires behind there and uh and just regular electrical wires whatever you want to pre-wire the basement but that makes a nice place to to put insulation in, but in those stud bays, yeah, and and then put your sheetrock on. So, yeah, we wanna wanna use insulation on a basement wall just like we do uh, upstairs because the if you think about it, the outside ground temperature uh, is uh, about fifty two ish year round, something like that. When you get down below 
uh, 18 to 24 inches or lower, that constant soil temperature, 50 to 52 degrees. And you want the basement to be 70-something because that's living space. So you can see there is heat loss in a basement. So we used to, and it's hard to believe that this was allowed, but in the 70s and earlier, we would the city would just allow us to stucco a basement wall. Uh, you just put a white, kind of a white stucco finish right over the concrete, and um, it's just the way things were. And it made a nice, pretty wall, but it was not as energy efficient as they require uh, today. Uh, Greg says, I have a tool shed in my backyard. I can run a power line out there, but how can I control the lights from my house? There's no way to snake a wire up to a light switch in my kitchen. Well, Greg, you are in luck because of all the technology now. There are all kinds of wireless outlets and switches you can use Yeah, you can use with your cell phone. You can uh, actually put a controller in the house itself. Uh, you can, you know, screw it to the wall and have a switch there that will turn a light on your tool shed just by wireless uh, transmission. So there's all kinds of mix and match technology now that you could turn that light on and off if you want to. And uh, <clears throat> the other other thing is, of course, you want if you have outside lights on your new tool shed, you want to use motion detector lights because they uh, don't waste energy. But when you need them, if uh, a prowler, a burglar. Somebody that you know not supposed to be there. Even deer and and cats and rabbits and other things will turn them on. But I think motion detector exterior lights all around the house is a good idea and be good on your tool shed also. But look for uh, remote wireless switch fixtures, outlets, and light fixtures online. There's all kinds of combinations uh, with a transmitter and controller at the uh, transmitter at your end and a controller at the other end of the circuit outside uh so you can find those all over and you can go shop at lowe's has them uh home depot right or amazon of course amazon has everything if you think about it right speaking of of that um this is um millie says uh i'm having trouble hearing my doorbell certain parts of the house any recommendations why not go wireless there also because you can get wireless doorbell kits with two or even four or more receivers, which means it's the bell, right? It can be anywhere in the house. And uh, you can simply disconnect all of your old wiring. Because we used to wire doorbells with this little bell. It's called bell wires. This little, uh, I think, maybe 26-gauge wire that went all over the house from the transformer for the doorbell which was down maybe on the furnace or something we'd wire to the buttons at the front door and then ring the wire up to the hallway for the for the for the uh, chimes themselves and was maybe in, in when i got in the building business in the early 70s we were still doing backdoor doorbells which was, the theory was from the old days it was where the milkman and other folks that delivered things would ring the doorbell uh, in, in the back and and, and they even had a code like the backdoor doorbell was a single chime and the front was two chimes, that sort of thing. Those are that, those days are long gone. So, Mildred, you can disconnect all the wiring in your house, find where the transformer is and and get rid of it or disconnect it altogether and simply get wireless doorbell kits, a, a wireless doorbell kit. You can have a chime in the upstairs hallway where you have one now uh, and uh, put one downstairs in the basement if that's the case or wherever and maybe you're other other end of the house uh that you want to hear the doorbell so yeah there's a lot of wireless technology now it's all battery powered 
Uh, I have a wireless doorbell that the chimes in the hallway have four D cells. Those are the old fat flashlight cells. And I've had that thing in, uh, it's six or eight years now, and never even touched the batteries, uh, and it's working just fine. And there's a little <clears throat> door wireless doorbell uh, that I, the, the old doorbell button, once you disconnect the wiring, the transformer, you can just take the old button off, throw it away in that hole, just shove the wires back in the hole, and you can get uh, a wireless doorbell button, which has adhesive on the back. Simply stick it right over the old hole uh, by your front door, and you're back in business. So you can have multiple receivers, chimes all over the house. Yeah, ding dong, all wherever you want them. So wireless works really, really well in this case. So we were that's two wireless applications, right? For a tool shed outside and for a doorbell uh, inside. Um, oh, here's we're just talking. Chris was and I were talking off the off the air about water pressure. Samantha says, "I <clears throat> uh, is there a way to lower water pressure in the house? It's about 80 pounds now, and I think you said it should be lower. Yeah, the building code allows, I think, 80 or 85 pounds, which to me is way too high. You want 55 to 60 is ideal. That's what I have in my house because there are delicate valves in your ice maker, dishwasher, washing machines, toilets, all have delicate valves, and they don't like high pressure. And if you have a burst pipe, the higher the pressure, the more tendency there is to flood uh, to flood the house. So there there should be a pressure regulator. That's what Chris and I were just talking about, a pressure regulator in the utility room somewhere right where the water comes in from the city. There's a pipe that sticks up to the basement floor, right? And there's a, there's a doohickey there, about the size of a soda pop can, brass colored. Was yours the same way? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you just... Uh, adjust it if it can't be adjusted because in Chris's house it was too old and and, and on the fritz so you just need to throw it away but uh, Samantha if yours is working properly you can adjust it to lower that pressure and whether there's a should be a screw or a bolt on top of the pressure regulator you turn it left counterclockwise to lower the pressure and the other way of course raises the pressure. you want to lower the pressure so what I would do is I would get a pressure gauge at uh, Home Depot or wherever, or Ace Hardware, and put it on the cold water faucet by your washing machine and just start turning that pressure regulator to the left one half turn at a time and then measure the pressure. Uh, and after about two or three turns, you'll be down in that 60 pounds per square inch uh, vicinity, which is where you want to you wanna be. Now, between when you turn it half turn, go open a faucet someplace and close the faucet to restabilize the pressure. You want to take measurements after you restabilize and pretty soon it'll be down to 55 to 60 and your house will thank you for it it's, instead of high blood pressure your house will now have low blood pressure so thanks that's a good email i appreciate that well that's all she wrote for the program chris moyer and and matt mckinley as always thanks for your help in the control room. a wonderful support system i have here in the control room across the across the glass there so We'll see you next time. Don't forget the podcast. Be up in a couple hours here of the program. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless. Hope you have a wonderful week. And stay warm and stay dry and stay safe. This is Ken Moon. We'll see you next time right here on Around the House.